Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, Crossview. Welcome to another week of online church. I'm thankful you can join us in this way. Uh, I just want to encourage you, as we're going to do each week, uh, that you uh, spend some time engaging with us online, whether that is requesting prayer on our website or Facebook page, uh, whether that's comment and commenting or chatting on either the Facebook or the uh, our main web page, there's places to kind of talk together and engage together. There's questions to uh, discuss, whether that's in the chat feature uh, or the comment section on Facebook. There'll be some time afterwards. We encourage you to just spend some time as a family uh, to uh, be in prayer and read the scriptures and maybe have further discussion on what you heard. So we just want to encourage you to kind of engage in that way. Let's take every opportunity we can to continue to be the church and uh, what, a, what a valuable time it is even right now for our families uh, to be able to worship together in this way. We also want you just to be ready for a time of communion at the end of our message. It's going to be a really great time together. A little different, but still really good. So looking forward to that. Well, today is known as Palm Sunday. Traditionally, the Sunday in which we celebrate and recognize uh, who and what Jesus is, uh, the story of him entering into Jerusalem all of those centuries ago on a donkey uh, as he makes his way into the city. Now, this story conjures up all kinds of royal images for us, this kind of royal entrance, uh, maybe with a lot of fanfare. We kind of think maybe in some of those images, but uh, we could also certainly talk about the fact that the crowds shouted, shouted Hosanna. We just sang a song about that, Hail to the King of the Jews, and yet they didn't really fully understand the, the coming of the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. We could talk about all the ways that Jesus both did and did not, at least as, as the people were concerned, meet the expectations of the Messiah. He wasn't bringing a political rule, and uh, he was not going to overthrow military might. Both of those were expectations for Jewish people for their Messiah. Jesus didn't do that. Uh, but we understand that he was, in fact, the coming king, and he uh, was coming to throw open the doors of his kingdom for everyone. But it looked a little bit different than anyone thought. And today I'd like to kind of look at that difference a little bit. You see, Jesus had a very important perspective as he got uh, on that donkey and rode into town. And I think if we can catch the heart of what Jesus was doing, um, his perspective, it'll help us in all of our relationships, uh, in, in all aspects of our lives, but also will help us understand uh, God's heart for Easter. And I'll start by saying that it's clear uh, that as Jesus enters the city, he knows what's ahead. He knows uh, that his hour had come, and he knows from here on out that uh, he would be doing last things. He was clearly aware that he had precious few days and hours left before his death. And that's why it's so important to watch and listen closely to what Jesus does and says in these last days and week of his life. Because final hours brings final words and final teachings. The emphasis on the really important stuff, and that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And so we need to pay attention. His words at the end here carry a great deal of weight. When death is near, there's no time for wasted words or actions. So we need to pay close attention. So let's dive in. 
I want to start with a story, with the story, uh, a reading of scripture of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We find it in Luke 19. You can follow along in your Bibles, um, open up your uh, tablets, or, or it'll be on the screen. Luke 19, 28 through 31, 36 through 38, and 41 through 42. Let's start in verse 28. Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples as he came into the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He spent uh, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. In verse 36, it says, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout, and seeing as they walked along, praising God for their wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And a few verses later in verse 41 through 42, it says, But as he, Jesus, came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people could understand the way to peace. So while we may have royal processional images in our mind as Jesus enters the city, we see as the story goes on that Jesus actually begins to weep. And, and maybe we're surprised by that. We're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Shouldn't this be a moment of excitement and glory for Jesus as he enters the city? But what we see Jesus doing here, and this is so important, don't miss this because it sets up not only what we're focusing on this morning, but uh, Jesus' perspective through the whole last week of his life. What Jesus is doing here is an incredible act of selflessness, self-giving love. Uh, in this story, Jesus fulfills the ancient prophecy of the Messiah and rides into Jerusalem on a donkey as the crowds of people wave palm branches and sing Hosanna. But here at the height of his popularity, Jesus may have felt completely alone, emotionally isolated from everyone except for maybe his Father in heaven. We have an, uh, an understanding of what isolation uh, and loneliness might feel like in these days, don't we? As Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, no one understood him. No one appreciated that he was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who was sacrificing his perfect life to forgive the sin of everyone. And yet, even in his loneliness and, and sacrifice, he continues forward, full of selfless love for everyone, including you and me. Jesus was giving himself completely incredible. Now pay attention to that perspective because as we follow the way of Jesus, we are called to the same kind of mindset and daily activity. You see, Jesus wasn't uh, very concerned with the benefits of being seen as a king. He knew what he was headed toward and he knew why. Because you and I needed a savior and he was the only one that could fulfill that. And that's why this passage is so powerful, because Jesus is broken for the sin of the people. And he was giving himself in love completely for that reason. And verse 41 and 42 says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. 
Let's follow Jesus' example here. Let love, not fear, rule our heart in these days. We are living through something that none of us have ever experienced before. We are doing our best to figure it out day by day. I know you are. We are as well. And it can be easy to let fear turn us inward and keep us looking self-focused, to be selfish. But Jesus does something very different. Think of Jesus' actions here. He, even heading toward his own death, you can imagine the fear that he might be uh, experiencing or, or anticipation around that. He still acts with selfless love for us. Please hear me say this. The decisions that we make right now, how we act every single day, every single minute during this crisis will determine the stories that we tell for years. We are writing that story right now. Jesus didn't let fear keep him from acting in love toward all of us. To let fear wins right now means that we lose an opportunity to do something extraordinary in this season. So if Jesus were to give his last lecture on what really matters, what's most important, and how we act toward others, I think it would have been about self-giving love, self-sacrificing love. In fact, uh, I would like to look at one more story. This story happens just a few days later in the week. It is, in fact, the night before Jesus was taking, taken to the cross. And we find this story in the book of John. We've been in the book of John the last couple of weeks, but we find this story in John 13, uh, starting in verse 1. So I'm going to read this. Uh, so I would encourage you again to find that place in your Bibles as you're, as you're uh, joining with us as a family. On the last evening of his life, um, he was very deliberate in creating this incredible memory that shapes the future of all humanity. He hosts this final meal with his disciples in Jerusalem. And it's held on the second floor of, of this building. And uh, they're probably sitting around a long rectangular table that isn't very tall, isn't very high from the ground, maybe about 18 inches tall, a lot shorter from than what we usually expect or what we have uh, in our homes. There's probably pillows uh, around the table where Jesus and the disciples would lounge back in kind of the traditional fashion. Um, once in the room and around the table, Jesus does something which he, probably for his disciples, but for, for us as well, was just unprecedented. But it was also very strategic in that, like I said, I think Jesus' teaching last, uh, last um, lesson kinds of things. Jesus ensured that this would be a memory just burned into the minds of his disciples and it would be passed along for generations. In fact, we're going to celebrate what Jesus does in this moment in just a few minutes together. This was no accident. Jesus planned his actions here. He wanted this meal to be remembered and celebrated. In fact, he said uh, in that evening, whenever you do this, Whenever you take this meal, whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this wine or juice or whatever it is that you have in your homes today and that you'll be celebrating with, whenever you do that, do this in remembrance of me. So before the meal uh, of bread and wine, Jesus accompanying this message 
um, uh, of doing this in remembrance of me. He, he does something else that has profound symbolism. He humbles himself in a way that shocks his disciples. And if we kind of know the background, the context, it might shock us as well. He does something that's so incongruent to what they were expecting and so deeply meaningful uh, that he did ensure that it would stick in their mind forever. Their teacher, their Lord, stands up from the table, takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, takes a basin, a basin of water, and begins to carefully wash the feet of his disciples. We find the story in John chapter 13. Starting in verse 1. Before the, the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on the earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. There he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. You can imagine that the disciples were stunned, dismayed, maybe even overwhelmed at what was happening. This task was normally reserved for lowly servants, not someone like Jesus. But here is their venerated rabbi, their Lord, kneeling before each of them, one after the other, to lovingly rinse the road dust off of their feet. It's an inversion. It's upside down for the, in this experience. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe in their minds, they're thinking, especially as Jesus enters Jerusalem, they're thinking about power and recognition. Finally, Jesus, you're going to be recognized for who you are. Power and recognition may be on the minds of the disciples, and Jesus is demonstrating service and self-sacrificing, self-giving love. This is incredible. He knows each of them so well. The boisterous James and John, whom he called the sons of thunder, Simon the zealot whose passion for politics could be easily provoked, and maybe we know something of that in these days. Skeptical Thomas who struggled with doubts, upbeat Andrew, rash-tongued Peter, and the rest. Jesus even washes the feet of Judas, who is about to betray him. Jesus looks at each of his friends in the eye, he considers their personalities and displays this uncompromising humility. He becomes a lowly, unpretentious, self-giving, loving servant. All while he is about to be taken away. They should be serving him. They should be ministering to him and what he's about to experience, right? But that's not what Jesus does. How powerful and how profound this is that the creator of the universe, the God of all creation, the Lord and Savior gives so much of himself in love. For he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all of us. It's easy to miss the profound nature of this act because of this gulf in time and culture that we have between us and this story. But what Jesus did was profound. 
What he did was more than just an act of affection. In fact, for you and me and for his disciples, we kind of talked about this in the passage we looked at last week, too. It's a life lesson. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples that they must follow his example. This, everyone, is the way of Jesus. We must become like servants, setting aside concern for our position or our privilege, even setting aside our fear, knowing Jesus goes with us in our fear. But through foot washing, Jesus unforgettably shows us that service and not status is what it's about. This continued act of self-giving love in times of crisis and fear. Even before the last night, Jesus spoke to his, fa- his followers about this radical servant. He'd, he'd given them kind of this lesson before. If you remember, uh, when they originally started following Jesus, probably about three years earlier, they were focused on reaping rewards. They wanted a payoff for leaving their lives and following Jesus. Two of them even had their mother uh, make a special request to Jesus on their behalf. They wanted a promotion, right? Maybe there's this kind of, we see this throughout the story of the gospel, but we certainly know this in our own lives, that there's this constant power grab that's kind of intertwined in the lives of even the disciples, but of our lives as well. And Jesus repeatedly said that these power games, the selfish perspective, is fundamentally alien to life inside God's kingdom. And isn't that a powerful lesson for us in these days? It's not about being first. It's not about being more prominent. It's about heartfelt service and self-giving love. Let's face it. We can be and are often obsessed with demanding that life go the way that we want it. And life is certainly not going the way that we want it right now, is it? We can spend weeks, even years, in this perpetual stew because something didn't go our way. But when we empty ourselves of this compulsive need of selfishness, something wonderful takes place deep within our soul. We find our life through Jesus. So how how do we become more self-giving? How do we become more loving? Well, I think it starts when we surrender our selfishness. And I think we're in a powerful time right now where uh, we have an opportunity to do that on a daily basis. We have to. When we surrender our selfishness, we are no longer limited to defining our happiness by merely getting what we want. It's about serving and loving others as best we can. Emptying ourselves of the burden to always get our way frees our soul and opens us up to uh, understanding others and receiving Jesus in a powerfully significant way. So while you consider the image of Jesus riding into Jerusalem with crowds shouting Hosanna, while they're laying palm branches, uh, picture what's really happening in the heart and the mind of Jesus and what he calls you and me to. With each step closer to the city, he gives more and more and more of himself, not for his own sake, but in humble, self-giving love that will change the reality of everything that is to come. And that is the way that we are to follow. What a way to set up this week as we head toward Easter. We celebrate the arrival of our King, and we recognize that his way, his kingdom, and therefore you and I 
have to be different. It's not about being first or more prominent. It's about selfless, self-giving love. So how are we living that out on a day-to-day basis? Even and especially in these days for people who are afraid and isolated in their homes. Jesus leaves his disciples and us with this incredible act that spoke in ways that words cannot. He leaves us on the last night of his life with this unforgettable act of service that sums up perhaps more than anything else he did short of the cross what it means to love. Jesus gave us everything. So at the very least, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, already give your heart to him. He has purpose and life for you. (laughs) And we can be ones that are shouting, Hosanna, praise the one, God's own son, for his selfless act of love. And he calls us to that same way of life. Let's pray together, and then let's move into a time of communion. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for uh, this, this powerful story not only how uh, this, the meaning, the deep meaning that we experience as you make your way into Jerusalem, but the perspective that you had, uh, your heart and your mind, this selfless, self-giving love that you, you wept over the city for them not really seeing what was going on, and yet you still did that anyway. That happens time and time again in our life and for us, where you act on our behalf and maybe we don't always get it. But God, I pray that even um, through these stories, both at the Last Supper and the entrance into Jerusalem, that that you are transforming the way that we think, especially in these days where our context, it's, it's so easy to slip into the selfishness, I need, I want, we need, and not those other people or versus everybody else. Let's get that first. Let's get as much as we can. But God, you have called us to a different way of thinking, a different way of acting, and a different way of loving. So help us do that. So God, in these next few moments, as we enter into a time of communion, may we remember what you've done for us and the way, the the kind of life that you've called us to. We give you all the praise and all the glory in your name. Amen.